like helping somebody. It makes it, you know, if you're doing a show, of course, but these people really do help. And be able to actually do something besides a TV show, you're actually helping people. That that keeps me going for sure. Yeah, I mean that's why I got into it was because I had my own experiences. So. You know, to have to be able to go to people's homes or businesses, or whatever, and just help them and teach them everything that I have been taught and the experiences that I went through, um, and try to help comfort them. Um, that's kind of why I just keep going. I mean, we, you know, I've been, we've all been doing this for so long. That's why we're doing it. It's not TV. It's because we're just doing what we love. You know, what we love to do to help people. That's right. It's all about helping people. Um, it is though. I don't know if that's what keeps me going. Because I feel like people have a lot of places to turn for help now when it comes to the paranormal. Mm -hmm. But who they can trust. Yeah, so they can trust. Of, yeah, yeah, that's true. Have there been any situations that have kind of lingered with you in terms of helping people? I've done paranormal investigations, so kind of like contact loved ones, that kind of stuff. And I'd love to know if there's any ones that have kind of lingered or had an impact on you. What was the case? He was in a gentleman was in a trailer. He Corey. Post Corey. He had post-traumatic yeah, uh, PTSD. PTSD. And he, the place was so scary inside because there would be loud bangs and loud things that would happen inside his house. And so frightening for him that he had to stay in a trailer next to, oh next to his house. And being able to, you know, help them out and explain that this isn't that, this is this, this is what's going on. We did research that made them mm -hmm. feel better. Um, and now he's able to go back into his own home. Oh, that, wow. to me, is cool. Absolutely. Yeah. That and also the couple we investigated. Um, she came to see us in Jersey recently. Her and the husband. Oh yeah, in New York. Uh, in New York. New York. Um, yeah, forget me. Gosh, but it was a case. Uh, she was a writer, um, and they were terrified, and they were going to move out of their house. But then she sent us this long email of like thank you so much we're doing everything you said and now we're like living in a house and we're happy again and our relationship is back to normal uh, and if you remember Steve and Glinda we actually kind of saved their marriage in a weird back around way like when we were interviewing them and this had nothing to do with our investigation really, but they were just being interviewed and at one point he was like because they had a lot of marital problems he was like this thing's like tearing us apart and she's like Really? Because I feel like it's bringing us closer together. And he was like, what? Fucking ruining stuff, you know? And she's like, no, this is like, we have something in common now. And they both sort of looked at each other like, oh. And their marriage, like, somehow that sort of... They need to communicate. They, they did during the interview. <laughs> yeah, they did during... Um, but that was, you know, a nice byproduct of the investigation. Is that yeah. we kind of, like, fixed their marriage, you know? Mine was... Um, the couple that just lost their daughter. Oh my God! Oh, is, yeah, I know, I know, it's terrible, but it's just something that you always think they were about. So happy, it's, yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, and somehow there's, you know, there was a communication with her, you know, with with the guys, and yeah, so that's it's a, it's an awful situation, you know, but. But it helped them out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Closure. They thought of ghost killing their daughter. Her daughter died in her sleep. In her sleep. Uh, she's 14. She died in her sleep. 
but she always was writing in her journal that something was coming and visiting her, and like she, she oh, drew yeah. pictures of her. Oh, the journal was horrible. Reading it? Okay, so I'm sure maybe you have asked this question. Um, after your spiritual encounter, does religion or or does religion play a part, or or does it not? It depends on the person. Mm. Uh, for me, it does not. Yeah. I, I believe in you know, uh, but I, I think what we're dealing with is more science based. I feel like it's something to do with that. But you know, people when they talk about demons and things, that goes into that religious aspect. But you know, what are they really? You know? I'm very spiritual, but I'm not religious. You know, I mean, I believe in angels and, you know, and, and all of that, but I'm not, I don't go to church or anything, you know, I'm not just really into all that. I respect all religions, uh, but I, I'm Catholic, um, but it doesn't really play into my investigating at all, unless we're on something that's particularly nasty. Maybe if you remember, there was one case... When uh, Reverend, we had a gentleman with us named Reverend Bean, Bill Bean, Bill Bean yep. mm -hmm. uh, Reverend yeah, Billy Bean, yeah. and um, there was a lot of bad stuff going on in this house, and he came in and did his... It's the same page. His, uh, oh, was it? yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. And he did what he does, blessings, all that stuff, and he drives out, whatever, whatever. And there was like a tangible difference in the house, like after is what he did. I don't know how to explain it, but it was, even like our film crew who doesn't believe in this stuff, you know, they, they just, sometimes they're like, you guys are jokes. You know, show, <laughs> next week I'll be on a show where they're making cars. You know, they don't care about what we They don't do. sign up for it. Yeah. Um, and even they walked in, they're like, what happened? Like, what is going on here? Like, it felt like, I don't know, it felt like there was a rainbow in the house. It was really weird. But, but I don't think it has to play into it. Mm -hmm. It's not like you see some shows where it's always demons, always. Mm -hmm. Like nobody's getting possessed and then going, oh, that sucks. Uh, you know, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen tomorrow. Uh, it's like you're, you're a different person for the rest of your life. Yeah. But yeah. Okay, um, what was the scariest encounter that you had to like, okay, I have to leave the room for a sec. <laughs> I think they usually involve like an animal in the wall, yeah. 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 like something like attack, trying to attack us physically. Uh, as far as paranormal goes, if something's happening. I'm staying there. Yeah. Yeah. That's so I want to experience it. I want to know. Okay. You know, this is this is really happening. Yeah. Um, well, sorry. one instance I do have to say um, was a, a case a long time ago. Um, I went into a casemate uh, that was just recently opened. What was that? Fort, Casement 11. Casement 11, Fort, Fort Mifflin. Fort Mifflin in uh, Philly. Philadelphia. And I was down there for maybe five minutes. And, you know, Steve, you know, Sherry, know me, I'm not going to last, I, I could last way longer than five minutes in, in a place that, that is supposedly haunted. And I just, for whatever reason, I felt threatened. I'm not a psychic, I don't, you know, I don't, you know, I don't go by that kind of stuff, but I felt like something was there that wanted to hurt me. I don't know how else to explain it, but that was the one time and only time that ever happened that I had to leave. Not for me. <laughs> not the paranormal. Not yet. Yeah. yeah, not yet. You never know. I've left for other reasons, like like bats. Bats, yeah, <laughs> spiders. Yeah. Spiders. Yeah. Um, and one that same case when we were talking to that little girl, I just got sad. You know, it's really sad. She was 14 and right. died. So I did excuse myself for like a minute, but that was just to go like blow my nose. So I was like, little girl. 
really yeah, sad. sad yeah. um, Jay was like, you okay, man? you need a minute? I was like, yeah, I do, actually. <laughs> um, it's emotional. Yeah, but not because of the ghosts. Right. You get invested in the cakes? Yeah. I know in the episodes we see a little bit of the prep work before the actual investigation, but how much really goes into one singular investigation? Before we get there, like, couple months, three, three, four months maybe they spend lining everything up because once it gets through our like paranormal filter or whatever, like once we decide that we want to do the case, because we have final say on like what cases we, we do, um, then they'll make sure everything lines up with like there's what's called filters, you know, Discovery Plus Travel, they have their own filters, everything has to fit through their brand filters, like, for instance, History Channel, nothing can be from the ground facing up, everything has to be from, you know, facing down, like, they have all these weird, like, rules, and every network's different, so you have to, like, make sure it all, and to make sure you can do the episode, they gotta make sure you can film at all the places, and make sure that we can get access to the historical places to do the research, and a lot, a lot goes into it. Yeah, I'd say maybe four months average prep work until we get there. Yeah. Is and there anyone you haven't investigated yet that you want to investigate? Yes. Like you've been almost everywhere. <laughs> In the United States, we're pretty fortunate. We've been just about everywhere. I think the Ballista Axe Murder Houses house. And I will be pretty awesome. Yeah. It's on my list. I want to really bad. Um, we didn't do it. Pretty sure because there's no heat or like what's the other word? Air conditioning. Um, <laughs> and like just the elements were crazy, and they decided not to for whatever reason. I mean, that hasn't stopped us before. <laughs> so I know. I don't know what it was. With this I'd like to do that. The Coliseum would be awesome. Just because so many people died there. 400,000 animals. Like 300,000 people and 400,000 animals in one little circle. It's pretty intense. They say it still smells like iron a little bit. Is that weird? From blood, yeah. Wow. Crazy. It's like in the stone. Bloodstone. Luminol? Luminol. Yeah. Just spraying that place in luminol. Jesus. Yeah. I mean, it must be because they say the bacteria that feasts on blood never goes away. So the bacteria would still be there. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> so that's where we'd like to go. Yeah. Um, you guys mentioned the discovery and the camera crew and everything. And I don't know if you want to answer this or not. Have you ever felt that the production? has gotten in the way of an investigation or changed the outcome somehow? Um, we won't let that happen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we always have final say, we look at the episodes. Yeah. And again, they always follow us. Okay. You know, it's kind of like, this is where we want to go, this is what we're doing, you know, all depending on where the investigation is going, that's where we go. And so it's just them following us around. They do, like, get in the way sometimes, but in a way, like, because they're walking backwards in the dark, yeah. mm -hmm. so, like, they may turn and, like, hit a cabinet or knock over an antique or something, and yeah. so, like... It's, it's tough. I mean, to be a camera guy it, it, yeah. or a woman, and you're backing up in the dark, 
looking through a screen. You know, one of our best friends uh, just fell through the staircase. Oh my God! And he had yeah. surgery. Yes, oh. had to get surgery. You know, people fall through things. These are old, decrepit places. Sometimes mm -hmm. so you just got to be careful. You know. Yep. Gets a little, but yeah, the crew never. They will be like. They'll never tell us what to do in an investigation. It's all. But if we forget something, they may be like, "Hey, uh, um, you may have forgot that like you know I'm gonna make up of John Carpenter, you know, was in X room and you didn't try to talk to this dude. Like it's up to you. If you want to, and then right. we may be like, oh shit, I forgot about that because right. there's so many claims and we just right. try to do our best. Mm -hmm. But then we also have the the choice to say, well, you know what, you know, and Dave and, and, and I or Sherry and I or whoever already hit it, you know, we can. But. And they also have their own experiences too. Yeah, that's you true. know, which is awesome because they, you know, they'll be, they'll be just as shocked as you know, sometimes even you know, scared. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes, I mean, they come in not <laughs> believing and they leave. Believing. Yeah. Sometimes. sometimes. Sometimes Kenny gets crazy. Yeah. He has experiences. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of experiences. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's been with us for a long time too, like season four, I think, oh, of wow. Ghost Hunters, and he did Ghost Nation with us the second season. He's definitely changed too from the yeah. beginning of how, like, how he believes it. Yeah. 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 And that one camera guy, Mitch, is awesome. Like, there was one time when it was the piano note. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh. Don't say anything. <laughs> but at one point, we, we, we caught something. Right. And it was super awesome. That was one of my favorite. And I was just so excited. I was like, yeah. You gotta hear this, like trying to get one of the camera guys, and they're just, they're like, no, no, we And then Mitch put his camera down, he's like, oh man, give it to <laughs> He wanted to hear it, he, he heard it, so. I guess the cat's out of the bag, but we heard like a piano playing. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, that's awesome. After we asked for it to play it. But we didn't hear it, well, you didn't hear it through ears, I was doing real time analysis, and I heard it. Yeah. He didn't believe me. Yeah. I'm like, no, no. A couple no. teams, a couple different teams heard it, too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow, yeah. you're absolutely right. Yeah. Of, that's right. I forgot about yeah. that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But nobody's supposed to know. So just yeah. <laughs> so to erase that. Little, All right. Something happened. Yeah. <laughs> but answer your question. Yeah, the crew. Yeah. They won't like metal, but uh, sometimes they'll nuance if we forget things, which we do, at least I do. Yeah, right? and if anything, yeah, they help. a lot of stuff. Like with, with information, like yeah. yeah. Yep. It's like we might forget a name of somebody, it's like, what was that name again? And they'll just look me, oh, it's this person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they, they stay like, sometimes it has to be like two camera guys or three camera, just to get all, because it can't be just the back of your head the whole time. Mm -hmm. Right. But like, uh, for instance, Jay. He really likes to just have one camera person, and that's it. Like, just to minimize the amount of uh, contamination, that, you know, because he doesn't want to every five minutes be like, "Oh, you kicked that thing," or "You," you know. But they're very good with like if they kick something, and we're like, "Oh, go back, that was me. I'm sorry, I kicked the thing or whatever." And, um, but we pretty much know any noise that comes from where they are. We just discount it, so they don't really get in the way. If anything, they help. Yeah. Yeah. Or it's good because we'll get confirmation, like, you heard that, right? And they'll be like, you know, because they can also hear it in their, head, their right. earphones. So we know that it was loud enough for that. And they'll yeah. confirm things for us. But yeah, they help. Okay, um, since streaming begins on October 31st, have any paranormal activity happened to you on Halloween that made you want to put on your investigator hat just to uh, see what's what's going on? 
Oh, hmm. Well, not a Halloween hat because I mean, we filmed that like five months ago, or six months ago, or something. Hmm. So it was like hot in the summertime, not Halloween time. Oh. <laughs> um, but I love Halloween, and I think it's amazing to be a part of other people's Halloween. Yeah. Like we did a live show every year, and they were like, "You're our Halloween." Like, yeah. See, to hear that, it's amazing. Like. Because I have things that, you know, are my favorite parts of Halloween. And to know that you're, and even this, even though it's not live, it's like there will be a few million people, like, watching us on Halloween. That'll be what they do when they get home from their party or when they get home from trick-or-treating or what the family will do. Having their candy. Having their candy, trading candy on the floor. With their, you know, everyone did that. I'll give you three Snickers for that Reese, you know, or whatever. Like, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> you know. Uh, so we're all. Yeah. I mean, it's fun because I have um, my kids. Though we watched it all the time, you know, because I wasn't in your live, you know, in the live shows, but I was there with my kids on the ground doing the candy stuff and you know everything. So, but now that I'm on it, yeah, the kids are, you know, that's what we'll do together. Being on it, so. so you were a fan. First, huh? I was a fan. Oh, weird. It's weird to think. About. I mean, I knew I knew Jason, but I always watched the show and I was always a fan. That was like my date night, you know. Uh, wow. we were date Wednesday night, hey, date night. Hey. Yeah. Things could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> could be like Wednesday night trash night. Oh, it's trash night. Let's watch a ghost night. <laughs> I'd rather date night. Trash night. Trash night. What's today? Trash Wednesday night. trash day? We're going to hit our last question. That's slot. Okay. <laughs> Uh, make, yeah. it good. Yeah. make it good. <laughs> make it good. Because my last question wasn't even a good one. Um, but because it's a film production, I always ask this question to people because I work in television and stuff. But most crafty on set. Ooh. That's <laughs> my favorite question. I've never been asked that question. It's, you know what? I'll be honest with you. It's slacking a little bit this year. <laughs> We really have a good overall group. We're so lucky. It's interesting how they do it though. So it doesn't yeah. look like a lot, right? Mm -hmm. But here's here's I've noticed this. They'll have one brand of bag of chips, one Doritos, one this one, and it's all just a singular thing. Mm -hmm. You go and you're like, oh, this looks like it's whatever. Like usually it's a piles of things, but you just take it, you walk away for a minute, you come back, it's replaced. Oh my gosh. So that's that's where I think there's... But then there's a lot of different, and then they even ask, you know, hey, what's your favorite candies or what's oh, your yeah. favorite, you know, so we, you know, yeah, they get anything and everything. But we have had crafted, crafty with like, Nice spreads. You remember one year they were making candy apples for us. Yeah. I wasn't there that, that year. <laughs> they coffee. They make coffee a lot. It's pretty. It's you know what? It's action. Michelle looked up this last cake. A couple of last muffins. Yeah. I mean the last case. Yeah. Last case. See where my head was? <laughs> the last case. She had donuts and muffins. And How specialized muffins. Yeah. Pumpkin oh. stuff. Yeah. Um, they're the best PAs we've ever had. We have yeah. three. We have three of them. Three PAs? Yeah. What is this? There was Talking one time Steve was driving. He's, he's always on the end of his, uh, his gas. Somehow he's always like... <laughs> always on always. And it, it, you know. So we just so made it there. pushing him all the time everywhere. <laughs> we, we just made it to a, to a, a scene. Like it was a case. And I was like, how are we going to like, you know, we got to be careful when we leave. You know, we got to find, find a gas station, blah, blah, blah. So we come back, back out after the scene and the, he parked towards the place, obviously. The, the car is now like this, right? Mm -hmm. Opposite uh, direction. And we get in, there's two waters in there now. 
and full tickets. Oh my god. That's how amazing. We don't we say anything to anybody. They just. They're really, really awesome. If we had more time, I'd show you a bunch of... I take videos of them all the time, they're so awesome. <laughs> we have secret handshakes and shit. Well, me and Bonnie, me and Michelle. Oh, oh okay, because we don't. <laughs> well, I got one. You do? Oh, you do? This one, remember? You like this? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not that secret. Mine's this. It's oh, not very not secret, secret at all. <laughs> That's it? That's it? Alright. Oh. Secrets out, gang. <laughs> Well, they couldn't see it. Uh, yeah. Oh, they couldn't uh, see yeah. it. Well, you guys know. Yeah. Yep. That's like a moose knuckle, right? That, this feels weird to me. Uh, I like the sound. I've never, That's what it's I've for. never seen that before. Okay. I haven't. I have. You have Delta variant? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but I have. I don't know if this is wrong. This is wrong. There we go. Oh, oh wow. I'm going to do it with my right hand. I can't do it. With my <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it didn't work. All right, got a little there. Nope, nope. 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 <laughs> nope. Rushing it. We are, we're rushing it. Hold on. Here relax, relax the knuckles. That was a little bit. Go one more. Yeah! There you go. All right, now clean up. Clean up, everybody. Okay, and then just a press switch when you're ready. Another about um, five minutes. Oh, nice to meet you all. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Thanks for coming to say hi. Have fun. Enjoy the rest of the convention. Yeah. Are you going to close it down? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, nice. of course. <laughs> Me too. I may try to sneak in the big vendor room and buy some shit. <laughs> How's it going? How are you? Welcome to the cool table. Now you got to watch When you're doing investigations like this, how do you guys deal with skeptics? Uh, we don't. So we um, we basically at this point we hold, we we love having healthy conversations with skeptics, but right. we're not in the business of proving the existence of ghosts to anyone anymore. You know, when people come to us for help, they know something's going on in their house. We go in and try to, to come up with logical answers, be them paranormal or not. Um, but if, if skeptics come to us and expect us to try to prove the existence of ghosts to them, it's not those aren't the people that we want to help necessarily. And but we understand it because we're natural skeptics. So yeah, I, I think it's um. Oh God, they bought things. What'd you get? <laughs> oh. Oh, yes, you bought her an ocarina? That is going to be the crazy. You know what an ocarina is? It's like a shell. Yes. Is that a Sabine mask? She is. She's dressing up a Sabine Very excited. On your point about skeptics, so I think what's interesting is she. We. I, exactly what Amy said, of course. Yes, skeptics are, it's healthy skepticism is good to have. We have it all the time. We don't want to walk in and immediately go, oh my God, it's the worst situation, right? Mm -hmm. um, and when people come to us and be like, well, I've never seen a ghost. Like, I, don't, I, don't, I don't see it. I'm seeing is believing. And I was like, yeah, okay, so when it happens to you, if it does, you're going to know. Even if you're the heart, like the, more, the most hardcore skeptic, right? If something happens to you on a paranormal level, you're going to go, oh, that's weird. Oh, that's what they're talking about because it's undeniable. So it's okay for someone to not believe, and we do events with lots of people 
and some of them believe, and some have been dragged by their, you know, ghost-believing husband or wife, <laughs> and they're like, I'm just here for the booze, you know, and it's... And the it, booze, get it? The, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so it's uh, so it's one of those things where it's okay. It's okay to be skeptic, um, and we're not gonna, we're not here to argue with anyone. We're just here to live our truth and talk about ghosts. And also, I think another thing is we never speak in absolutes. We'll never say what a ghost is, where it comes from, that they absolutely exist. We don't know what a ghost is per se. We've just chosen to kind of give it that name but we've seen so many crazy things that like that defy logic spiritual paranormal or otherwise that um we'll never say we know exactly what it is we're dealing with we know that weird stuff happens that's the extent of our like, <laughs> of our knowledge weird, really weird things, weird stuff, things stuff. occur y'all yes yes yeah great so do both of you have any experiences that have like really stood out to you that you've personally experienced many um I think that recently we've started doing a lot of um, experiments with the idea of like manifesting energy mm -hmm. and the idea that ghosts or spirits may actually come from us and our sometimes and we've been able to kind of manipulate um, haunted places in that way like with experiments that we've been doing and so that's I think really resonating with us now and kind of um, it's just like a whole new perspective that we have started looking for in our investigations. But I think the biggest one was last season we basically manifested this ghost named Zombie Boy and we gave him so it's it sounds funny but like so what happened was these people they were um they were investigators kept going into this place called the Oliver House and one person got kind of a weird picture in a photo or in a mirror mm -hmm. and they saw this major thing really causes is like it, I don't think it was actually a ghost photo, but if you look closely, the pattern in the mirror did look like a, maybe a little boy with a scarred face. Mm -hmm. And they started calling him Zombie Boy. And But like then that. all of a sudden, people started having all these experiences with mm -hmm. this Zombie Boy. Yeah. And we were like, did they create this? Because all these investigators are coming over here, or coming in here years and years, uh, over years and years, and calling out to this thing? And so then we gave him a name. We sat in a room, we just recited all of these traits of his gave it or we gave um the whole backstory yep. this took like hours and our crew thought we were nuts because we just kept reciting it they're like y'all done again. yet we were talking like, no. about this boy and who his mom was and who his dad was and how he died and da 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 and then that night we got evidence evps saying what we had infused him with like yeah and oh, wow. so yeah. It was wild. There's a the Philip experiment. If you Google that, it's, it's based off of that idea, and so it's intention. If you have positive intention, if you have negative intention, whatever it is, it's 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 that. Um, that's a. I mean, we've experienced things that we cannot. Talking to you as a, like oh, talking to this person, right? And they go, nobody else is here. But you looked exactly real. You mm -hmm. looked like a person. Seeing a table levitate in front of us, or anytime. Really, anytime we get startled by something, it's there's this excitement that we that kind of rekindles in us from when we were just starting out. Like when we just started out ghost hunting, every little mouse fart is like so exciting, you know. But we still get that way. People yeah. are like people are like, oh, you're professionals. Why are you getting so excited? I'm like, I'm, I'm just sorry. Sitting here for hours and nothing happens. Yeah, wouldn't you get excited? And so I think that's the that's, that's there's lots of things that have really excited us over the years. But, but with the new season of Cat Spirits coming out, there is 
way more things than I could possibly think. I know. Like that. We really thought outside the box. Right. Exper tons of experiments, mm -hmm. new ideas, new equipment. We may um, have found a body on an episode. We, we had to call the police. Yes. A, so a, an actual for that one. dead body. Oh no, 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 a live one. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was a live body talking to a spirit body who the spirit body was like okay. I don't know maybe possibly and then we were like call the cops yeah we had to call the police <laughs> that was an awkward moment we were like mm. call the police. I know I'm wondering what people are going to think about that episode but it's it's crazy it's like CSI meets ghost hunting yeah oh, that's what yeah. you could look for that <laughs> <laughs> that makes me excited yeah oh okay um, after your spiritual encounter does religion play a part or does it not I think so uh, religion is is one of those things where we always bring it up I mean I think even in this this season which I don't think I made the episode we were asking a spirit like do you believe in God because he was not a religious man but now he's passed away and like, do you believe in God and he said yes right um, but we don't know what that is like religion exists in book form and people practice it um, but one specific book like the Bible for instance does not regulate an entire world, right? Mm -hmm. Whatever's in that Bible, the people that believe that Bible believe that book. If you don't believe in any of the books, then you may act differently in the afterlife. So religion does play a part. We've had spirits ask us for, you know, we've asked for prayer, like, do you want prayer? And they say yes, and we give it to them. We don't know what it is, but we, you know, we may say the Lord's Prayer or something universally recognizable, um, because we can't pretend to know what their religion is if we don't have factual history information based on that. Right. I mean, it motivates how we handle an investigation, for sure. You know, if someone tells us that someone was a very devout practice, uh, or very devoutly practiced a certain religion, we would, of course, um, draw on that in our questioning. A lot, I don't... It's interesting because we do have spirits that talk about things like heaven and hell and God, and we're like, what does that even mean for us, you know? Or, you know, is it just that they still have that belief system in the afterlife? Or mm -hmm. So, yeah, but we do, you know, we do know that a lot of people rely on religion to kind of deal with the idea that we're all going to die one day, and so it is important. It's an important part of our investigations. Um. What was the scariest encounter um, that you had to leave the room? The scariest encounter. What was the question? Uh, what was what was the scariest paranormal activity we've ever experienced? Uh, yeah, that that, ever? You to, that you had to leave the room. <laughs> oh God! Well, well, there was a we did a case um, for season three uh, or four, three Waverly Hills. Yeah. Um, so Waverly Hills, I would say, which was a tuberculosis hospital in uh, Louisville, Kentucky, there was an instance on the fourth floor where we were talking to, we were bringing up the story of this man who we thought might be haunting that area. And it was a very tragic story. And the activity just started really kind of happening. We were sitting, it was like a horror movie. We were sitting in this hallway and all of a sudden we feel a little breeze, which we're like, okay, there's windows open. And then we hear footsteps coming down the hallway. And then right then I look up and this man just appears, like just appears and disappears. And he's staring at me like this, very angry looking. And I had never seen that happen before like that. And I was like, oh my god, I can't believe that just happened. And like he saw like the end, end part of it. Of it. Yeah. Like, but I was yeah. staring right at this man. And 
There was something about it, like I've seen apparitions before, there was something about that one that was just very disconcerting. And I remember at the end, when we were done with that run, and something grabbed me right after that too, so oh there was a lot of things happening. And I, um, at the end, I was like, I held on to Adam, yeah. and I just did this. I'm like, can I just walk out like this? I don't want to see that again. And I walked her down the hallway, and we got to the stairs, she was like, okay, I'm good. And I then I was like, like I and I was like, I can't again. wait to come back. She's like, I don't know about that. She's mm -hmm. like, I don't know how long. I'm going to need a minute. Yeah. I think what, what was interesting about that, it was a... It was the the record. What was really scary is like I say horror movie. It was the recognition. Um, we say horror movie, but in all seriousness, it was the recognition of the activity that led up to that. Like the wind, yeah, it started blowing, but then we we noticed it as a crew and as a group. We were like, the wind is really weird right now. And you heard like leaves blowing, and then you hear, and I was like, oh my god, footsteps. Oh my god, boom. And then it happened, and it was like there, gone. And it's just something that you try to rationalize, like that skeptic brain for us. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like, how, what was that actually? And then you can't figure it out, and you're like, oh, God. I was that's glad weird. he saw some of it, because I was like, did I just like create that? Am I, you know, like anytime you see something like that, you're like, am I hallucinating? Do I have a medical issue? Like, what's yeah. going on right now? Yeah, I know. I mean, it was there, and the crew, I mean, the crew felt the reaction. They, they witnessed they had everything. At the same time. Yeah. And so, so Waverly Hills was, uh, I mean, there have been a lot of cases that we've done on Kinder Spirits that have changed the way we do things, that have moved us. Um, but those moments specifically, the ones that are really profound, give us the energy and the desire to keep going. Going off that question, um, I've done paranormal investigation in the past, and I've had things go home with me. Have you ever had something go home with you? Well, yeah, it's yes. just like the Haunted Mansion says, a ghost will follow you home. They really do. Um, yeah. it's, uh, I mean, I think that it's not as scary as people think. People are like, are you afraid you're going to get an attachment? You, once you humanize that ghost and you're like, they want to continue the conversation, mm -hmm. there's something about you that their interest is peaked, or maybe they're just excited that someone's actually conversing with them, and they're, you know, when I was pregnant with my daughter, I... What? What? You're pregnant? Yeah, that was, it was a decade ago. I know your memory is slipping. I, know. So. I was with her. I was investigating with her. Yeah. So, but there was a time where I felt like the spirit of a child followed me back home from a jail that we investigated with ghost hunters. And, um, and then at Waverly Hills, again, we had a really profound um, experience there with a series of knocks. And I felt like that night something came back to the hotel. But I just think... If you feel like that's going to happen, just say something. I always tell people to set boundaries, just like you would with a living person. Like, yes. if someone's being creepy and weird and they're following you around, say, excuse me, can you please back yeah. up? And yeah. that typically works. Yeah, we were at Trent Allegheny Lunatic Asylum, and she and I were leaving the investigation. We were walking together, like, just down the creepy hallway, ready to go to our car, and we both had the in instinct to stop. At the same time, we looked at each other, we're like, something's following us, and we turn around and just so like, hey, this has been really cool, we'll be back tomorrow, you cannot come with us, you need to stay here. And people ask us that all the time, because they, they are, we do events with people, and they mm -hmm. hunt with us, and they're like, well, they look for ghosts, I don't hunt. I know, we just say it, we don't hunting. really mean we're hunting them, yeah, yeah, we're not gonna say that. Capture it's a term that box, I hate, no. but I can't stop using Yeah, I can't, that's what we do. Uh, we're hunting and looking. Um, but it's like, uh, they're like, oh, I'm afraid something's going to follow us home. And I'm like, well, don't come with us. Because if they're intelligent, they have intelligent thought, and they can do, seemingly do what they want, travel, what's to say they can't come with you? 
you know, mm-hmm. you can be firm with them and give them boundaries, which you should oh. do if you're if you're afraid. Set your own boundaries, just like in a normal person. Like, excuse me, Miss, you cannot come home with me. <laughs> she was going to. She I know. I see you. I'm recognizing you. it. Not come home. See, just like that. It's just like that. Do you have a question? Yeah, I wanted to ask also if there's any like particular like locations or cases that you're interested in maybe doing or what's that process yes. like of really figuring out where oh, you there's so many we were um we well i'm headed literally to disney world directly after this and i would love to investigate disney world haunted yep. mansion yeah uh the white house would be that would be, be cool um graceland graceland is a big one that second floor apparently is very haunted but they won't let us in there yeah um, and, and i mean going overseas for kindred spirits would be really awesome mm-hmm. i see that yeah, because we, we dig a lot into the history when you watch the show. It's, it's a lot about the history and the factual information and what that, like, that fact matching up with the evidence. And I think to get to go to do that at a, at a castle or a manor house and speak with a, the 10th generation person who's like, yeah, something's here. Oh, yeah. Have at it, right? And we're like, A, daunting task. How many hundreds of years of history do you have to go through? But it would be really exciting and, and, and really fun. Along those lines, um, with all the different investigations you do, how do you measure a success? Oh, that's. I, I think that for us, it's providing some sort of resolution or explanation. You know, I think for a long time we were just investigating to confirm a haunting. We'd be like, "Yep, your house on it. Bye." You know, and now it's more like now we like to be able to say. We think your house is haunted by this person because of this, and you can do this to make it better, or we've already done this to make it better. You know, we like to provide as much information as we can and some sort of resolution if possible. And so that's why research is so huge for us on Kindred and why we're there for like almost a week. We just keep investigating over and over again. It's a very layered process. But that, you know, if we leave and we can see in the eyes of who we were there to help that they feel better, that is ultimately like the best reward for us. And that's not to say that there aren't cases that we'd love to revisit. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we can on Kindred, but just like there are there have been moments where it's like, yeah, you know what, we gave them that, but we still have unanswered questions. And so for those for I don't think we ever leave a case feeling like, oh, we failed. But there have been moments where we're like, well, we do have some unanswered questions. Maybe right. maybe they will check in. And they have. Family members and people that have, we've helped have checked in with us. They, and, we love our family. Right. And then, we just got quilts in the mail I from know. a woman oh, wait, that we I helped in this yet. season. Yeah, she like literally made us oh quilts, and they're like huge and amazing. They're amazing. And then she writes me occasionally um, in an email, and she'll say, you know, uh, we talked about a spirit that might have been in her basement. She was like, yeah, I said hello to him today, and he left me alone, and I've been making stuff all day. Or the dogs came to the basement for the first time in oh, wow. three they years. They would never go down, and they're sitting next to me. I can't believe it. Like, things That's like that. Cool. And, um uh, yeah, we're one big kindred family. Yeah. Hence the name. Kindred Spirits. <laughs> Spooky name, right? <laughs> and we'll wrap now and just do some, um, a couple last questions at the top for everyone, if that's okay. 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 So yeah. if you have any last questions, we can do it then. Okay. Um, Amy, do you want to just speak in the Yeah. We are, we were sitting in like a cool seance. Oh. Seance. Because it was, when Adam and I did Kindred, it's just the two 
of us, and so we have to do everything. Yeah. And then we got back with these guys, and we're like, oh, look, it's like five or six people. It's like, you know, oh, we, we, did a, we just did a case where, you know, a team would go in one at a time, and so Amy and I were just like, oh, can we get a break? Okay. This <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm an executive producer on the show. Mary Jo Winkler, Io Freda, executive producer on the show. Diana Bang, I played Dr. Allison Mann. Fantastic. All right, let's get started. Um, very, a question I'm sure you're going to hear a lot this year. Given the, the struggles of the past year, has it changed the way that you feel about creating or acting in a post-apocalyptic show? A show where you're dealing with some things that may feel like there are parallels, or were you actively trying to avoid creating parallels? How did that affect you? Um, well, the truth is, it, I, it affected us enormously. We were, we had started prep, and we were getting ready to shoot. We were just at that precipice um, when we got shut down for COVID. And we, and at first, you know, they sent us home, and we're like, well, maybe we'll be back in three, four weeks. <laughs> And um, then we were home for months upon months upon months upon months. And what I think experiencing, you know, being in the States, especially having come from Canada where we were shooting, to be in the States and to see how people respond to a crisis and to see how we as Americans respond and how divided, um, how conflicted, um, the lack of trust, a sense of betrayal by the government, lack of trust in sort of systems of power. Uh, that was so striking that I don't think we would have known to incorporate that before COVID. Um, and we never imagined that it was going to be kumbaya and everybody's just, you know, one big happy family of getting along all the time. And that's not what the adaptation ever was. It was always about um, the way in which um, a crisis can both divide and unite us. But I think that the insights that we got from seeing really how we respond and how hard it is for people to actually support each other as opposed to destroy each other um, was something that was very much integrated into the show as when we came back that had a big impact on all of our scripts. Yeah, and I would, I would add to that that, you know, I mean, the show was never intended to be about a pandemic, it's speculative fiction, so, it, but it's hard not to see parallels, right, in terms of what COVID did, what, you know, how we were very observant of those systems and even, you know, the sort of reality of our unhealthy planet and what, you know, the consequences of all of that. So it made us really dig a little deeper and think about, really go deep into into those systems and maybe the failure of those systems and how, and, you know, it's ultimately optimistic in terms of people changing and systems changing, but it, it, it got dark a little bit. It got dark for us a few times in terms of just the slog of the, the weight of the pandemic. 
um, for sure. And as an actor, um, it really... It, it, so they're talking about the systems at large. For me as an actor, thinking about like the day-to-day, -day, the you know, it's sort of like living in a pandemic kind of really helped um, feel the things and that I was reading in a deeper way. And so that was very helpful. I tried to use whatever I was going through, <laughs> throw it into the, into the script, yeah. Oh, the other thing is that, you know, it's hard to miss from, if you spent any time with this cast, they're super close with Eli, you know, the, t the group, the isolation, really made them into like an incredibly tight squad and because that, I, mean, yeah, I mean, in the beginning, no one could really see each other because if you were contact traced, you would throw the whole ecosystem off. You know, if somebody got COVID and somebody was contact traced, then it was like game over. Once people started getting vaccinated, it kind of opened up a little bit to form community outside of work, but the community was at risk and the community was on the set. So it really brought people a lot closer. And listen, I mean, it was really hard to be, you know, alone during the pandemic in an apartment that you didn't know, you know, away from family, away from friends, you know, and I think that, I think it, you can so I'm going to follow up a little bit. It was a, it was written by a man. How did translating it as women change how you are, change your story and how you're presenting the it? I feel like Eli, who's a showrunner, Elijah Clark, um, she really, when I talk to her, like, she's very interested in, like, escaping the binary, kind of, like, going beyond sort of the scientist trope and making Dr. Alice Men not someone who just comes in, kind of is unfeeling, is like, science, science, science. It's more someone, like, who's passionate, who's charismatic, who, like, who is a like a full human being, and I think in that way having her perspective um, really helped in terms of like just in terms of my character. Uh, but definitely, the show is much more gender diverse, and I think that is one of the big differences sort of between uh, the source material as well as the series. Yeah, I think yeah, Eli's um, really sophisticated. You know, appreciation of the opportunities to, re to to adapt this in 2020, 2021, when we do have a much more nuanced um, sense of gender diversity and the spectrum of, of gender identity, um, it, it made it so much richer. But I think also as a woman, she and we were interested in the fact that, like, um, women can still uphold patriarchal systems of power. Um, it is not like the patriarchy dies when everyone with a Y chromosome dies. Um, the patriarchy is, uh, you know, is, a, is a very, very resilient system of power, as is white supremacy. And to have, I think, that ability to kind of understand how that all can occur without it being a, oh, well, if it were women, they would just do this, which I think is much easier to sort of simplify when you're looking at it from a different perspective. But as a woman, I thought, you know, Keel, I really, and our, our team, our writers who were 
a, a, a blend of different kinds of people brought that level of nuance that we might have otherwise been lost. Say the female gaze. I would say yes. that yes. Eli was really what was important was to write it through that through the female gaze, even though the original source material was written. Yes, things like the Spanx and things like that that you would never, I mean, oh, I would never that. notice. I love the Spanx. <laughs> yes, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I know you're like. <laughs> saying your name so that we can distinguish the voices yes. on recordings. I'm Olivia Thurlby. I'm Elliot Fletcher. Perfect. Thank you so much. Sure. I'd love to start. So we're nearing the end of the, the series. I feel like we're at a very pivotal point um, with the October 11th episode coming out. Can you tease any major growth that your character faces in these upcoming episodes in the second half of the, of the show? Mm. I'll give this tease. Sure, you do. Episode 8 is going to be a big episode for the two of us. Yeah. That's my tease. That would also be mine as well. Yeah. yeah. And uh, if you could sum up the rest of the series, either as a whole or for your characters in one word, would you be able to? Can I use two? You can absolutely use two. Buckle up. <laughs> oh, I think my two would be... Uh, yeah, I'm going with I'm June too. Uh, <laughs> find yourself. I, I, I like that. Yeah. Deep. Sorry. Sorry. Bring it down. Five words that you would describe this series. Did you say five words? Five words. Ooh, I like this. This is a lot of like five, hard games. Yeah. Five <laughs> words you describe this series and why. Uh, five words to describe uh, the whole series. Um. I think, it, I don't know if this is going to be five words, but like a single question or a thought is just, I think I would say, what happens when everything falls apart? That's good. <laughs> Asia, how'd you doing the tagline? <laughs> yeah, just so you know. Well, maybe you guys, like these are all our amazing PR people, maybe you guys can just like tell them. <laughs> Uh, God, I don't know. I don't know. Five words, that's hard. Uh, I did six. <laughs> I know. I feel like, yeah, similar to yours, like every choice you make has a consequence. There's no, you can't avoid it. Okay, that's seven. So as as no, go ahead. As as kind of a fan of the original source material, your character doesn't exist in it. Yes. He does? No, he doesn't. Oh, he doesn't. Okay. <laughs> you I'm like, are no, correct. I'm literally reading it. No, you are correct. He does not exist. And your character has some significant changes. How do you guys feel about the way the stories are being? Um, both broadened and going in different directions. I mean, I am thrilled about the way that Eliza Clark's hero is, and I'll just say, like, Brian K. Vaughn has been nothing but supportive, encouraging, and thrilled about the way that Eli has been adapting this material the whole way. He's so supportive. Um, and I, I love this version of Hero because she's a lot more fleshed out and a lot more dynamic. And in the comics, we basically meet her when she's joined the Amazons. And that's the first time we meet her, more or less. And as opposed to, you know, on the series... 
Um, it's really about her entire journey leading up to that point. So as an actor, as a storyteller, it's really exciting to say not just, well, this is someone who's joined a cult, but um, what does it take for a person who is, um, you know, independent and rebellious to get to a point where they're really... Um, uh, compelled by a, like a group mentality. I think, honestly, I sort of have a privilege of, of not being in the source material just because there is so much freedom with Sam. Um, but, yeah, like Olivia said, the way Eli has incorporated Sam into the story is so particular and she's so specific about what she wants, but she also gives us a ton of freedom to sort of uh, build on our own relationship and uh, build on our relationships prior to the event. Um, so I, I, I love it. I love not being part of a comic book. I, I, just because I can kind of do whatever feels right for Sam, and that's that's really important to me. I'm, I'm going to ask a follow-up. How do you feel about, like, are how is the process of having to navigate this current Amazon situation where you're a man? Yeah. And they hate men? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's hard uh, just because, yeah, it's incredibly isolating. Um, and uh, I think prior to the event, I think there was a sense of Sam where he, he likes to sort of disappear. Um, uh, and now... He is the standout in a negative way, and so uh, it's hard. And only having one person to attach to, who is clearly sort of, I don't know, losing. Herself. She's not a safe attachment. Yeah, she's not a safe attachment. <laughs> not anymore. Uh, so it's it's definitely hard. Um, but uh, we'll see some. We'll see some. For him, change in the next couple of Can I do the fastest question, follow-up question, all of this? So what's your relationship with the source material? Did you guys read it before you got the script, before you went audition for the, the part? Uh, I read it when I was like 12, didn't understand it at all. So, oh, it's supposed to be exciting. Yeah, no, but it, yeah, and, and I've been to several Comic-Cons uh, in San Diego, and so I was very uh, excited to be part of the source group be part of something based on a graphic novel. Um, I uh, read the entire series in about 24 hours during my first quarantine in Canada. We filmed this in Toronto and the, uh, because of COVID, the border policies were very strict and it was a 14-day solo quarantine. And so when I arrived to film the first episode, it was the perfect time to just get sucked all the way in. I didn't plan sitting, I didn't sit down planning to read it all that fast, and I couldn't stop. I picked it up and I couldn't stop. That's incredible. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, what's that proof? A couple of days ago, I can't remember who asked, but they're like, "Hey guys, are we dressing up for this?" Amber. And I literally, I was like, "Oh, we're gonna cosplay! Like this is awesome!" And I was like, "Send a picture of your outfit, and this and that." And then like people and started sending pictures, like, like, "Oh, dressing up!" <laughs> oh. I, I, 
honestly, I was like, who are we going to dress as? Oh, so next year. Would you guys, yeah. sorry, just mind saying your names so that when we're doing the audio later, we can line those up correctly. Um, I'm Ben Schnetzer, and I play Yorick Brown on Why the Last Man. And I'm Juliana Canfield. I play Beth DeVille on Why the Last Man. <laughs> Thank you so much. Um, okay, so mine is, okay. Um, so... Actually, let me get the wording right. Sorry. Um, so what has working on the show taught you that we as a society should be doing to prevent sort of something? Uh, <laughs> no soft question. No. It's turning, it's turning hard right off the bat. Hmm. Uh, well, one thing, uh, Eli and the writer's room did a ton of research on the sort of logistical outcomes of an event like this happening in real life. And when I realized that New York City, our beautiful island, mm -hmm. would last, I think, three days without our truck system for transporting food, that really gave me pause. So, I mean, one, one, um, I, I just think that the way, in many ways, the global economy and the global world we live in, it, it, it offers positive outcomes, but I think also it makes something like this happening feel very um, daunting. We have no means of really living locally or surviving in an actual community. Mm -hmm. um, and so I don't know, I guess we should all become locavores and, <laughs> and uh, you know, get off the grid. <laughs> Maybe I'm like a uh, what are those called? Uh, doomsday prepper? Uh, yeah. Maybe I'm a doomsday prepper now because of the show. Yeah. I mean, like, this is kind of the actual day-to-day -day experience of working on the show itself. I actually, uh, Mary Jo Winkler, Yofreda, who's one of our producers, um, really kind of championed a green initiative for the production. And um, it's the first production I've ever done that had such ambitious kind of green guidelines. And it was so much easier than I think anyone thinks it is. But like just having compost bins, recycling bins, PPE recycling bins, like landfill, but like just making sure everything's clearly marked, having um, some eco kind of set uh, monitors to just like, if you don't know if this is recycling or a landfill, they'll just tell you, they'll give you, you know, having water refill stations so that people don't have to, you know, on a movie set, there's a million and one plastic bottles that, that people run through, and then you forget if it's yours or theirs, so you drink it, half of it, and you know, um, but having no plastic, like having a plastic-free set, like that was um, really inspiring and really nice to see that like, oh, the endeavor doesn't have to be inherently wasteful, like it can be quite resourceful. And so I know it's a little bit of a, a curveball way to answer the question, but that was just something that came to mind. So, for your characters, obviously you're existing in the world, this cataclysm happens. Do you think that there is another uh, sort of pop culture, post-apocalyptic movie, show, or comic book even, that your character kind of envisions themselves a little <laughs> bit as? It's like, oh, That's I'm a little great. bit like this person. <laughs> oh, my God. Because we'd all do that in the back. Oh, for Come sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's such a good question. Um... I hadn't thought about that, but and I'm not a I'm not a aficionado comic, so my I, excuse me if I give you some like sort of lame answer, but I think that my character is probably if she's in her late twenties, and there's something kind of like Katniss Everdeen 
about the situation mm -hmm. and the huge disparity um, between those who have access to anything and those who don't. And this maybe like Hunger Games after doesn't the Capitol fall or mm -hmm. something after the and there's more chaos. I think. Yeah, I think that might be someone she would um, identify with. Although, ooh, where's Peter? That's such a good. <laughs> that's such an interesting question. Like, I love the question. Like, who does your character want to be? Like, who do they <laughs> see themselves as? And like, who are they? You know, I am. Um, I don't know. I remember doing a lot of like watching of Twenty Eight. I love the movie Twenty Eight Days Later. I remember when it came out. I remember seeing it in theaters and like very informative experience for me. Totes. And I, when we were when we first got to Toronto to sh shoot, we had still had to quarantine. Yeah. So I was in quarantine, just like watching Twenty Days Later a bunch, and um, I kept like texting Eli like ideas. I was like, "Well, what if you know, what if he like finds mo like just basically like scenes from Twenty Days Later?" And Eli's like, "Yeah, man, like we're not remaking Twenty Days Later. Like, chill out." Um, I was like, "What if he walks in like hospital scrubs?" And he's like, "She's like, no." Um, but um, I don't know. Maybe delusions of grandeur of being you know Killian Murphy in Twenty Days Later. Um, but. Uh, I don't know. I'd have to. I, I'm gonna be like in bed tonight and be like, that's who it is. Uh, but that's a fun question. Yeah. Very good question. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Thank you. <laughs> Can you talk to me a little bit about the fan reception of the series? Like, have you guys had any standout interactions? Um, I uh. I was at like the DM, the equivalent of the DMV in Canada, getting uh, like a health card while we were there. Um, and uh, you have to like give the person your working papers and all this stuff. And um, uh, he's like, "And what are you doing here?" I was like, "I'm filming a television series." He's like, "What television series?" I was like, "It's called Why the Last Man." And the guy just goes, "Are you Yorick?" And I was like, uh, "Yeah, I'm playing Yorick." He's like, "Oh my god!" And I like looked past him, and in his little cubicle at the DMV was just like. Com like little like uh, uh, what are they pop vinyl dolls and like comic book thing like, like this whole thing and he was like such a comic dude and uh, that was very fun and it was the most pleasant experience you could have totally like, I was say, you didn't just like I was like not Especially waiting at the DMV exactly yeah, yeah. exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. so that was really fun uh, what about you um you know what are you I mean I've been on Twitter. A lot. Is that a good life choice? Yeah, exactly. That's what I said. It was a little uh, apology, and it's sometimes if I'm feeling sort of like, okay, let's see what's out there. I roll up my sleeves and I type in "Why the Lost Man," and it's just amazing to see. There's so many languages I don't understand. People who, all over the world who are watching it and writing about it, and connecting about it. And I'm new to Twitter, so I'm not. I'm not really used to seeing that kind of. Um, scope of, of um, interest or uh, yeah and so that's been that's been really cool but uh, and then I walk by people and they're like you're on the show York is great two or three times so that's 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 what I got <laughs> oh hey what's up, what's up three, five, so the question is have there been any particular fan interactions oh, oh my god I bet you've had that have have, what? have oh, resonated. Oh, you guys gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll think about that. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Be good. Thank you too. Um, I'm gonna. I, I know. I know. Can you kind of figure out the answer? Just feel like. So dreamy. Talk about Juliana. Oh my god, he looks good too. Hey. Hi. Hi. Is it just you? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just me. So I have a fan question that I have to get out. Yes. And this this is one where it's like this is going out to a very specific community. Okay. Do we get to see 355 knit? Knit. Yes. Because she had the knitting needles yes, she at the did. beginning, and yes, there's a, a, a huge panel where she talks about it. Just a yes or no. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Do? I don't know when, oh. but I'll make sure of it. <laughs> I told you it was a very specific meeting. No, yeah. I, I have the same questions, too. <laughs> this is coming from a similar question I asked previous. Five words that you can describe this series. Five words that I would describe this series. And why? And why? How about five words ending in the letter Y? <laughs> uh, we'll do sexy. We'll do um, gay. We'll do um, jazzy. Jazzy, sexy, gay. <laughs> we'll do. Um, runs. I'll just say grunt. <laughs> not anything why. And how about, um, funny. Funny. Um, what is your favorite change that the show has made from the source material? Because there have been a lot, and some are big, and some are small. Mm -hmm. Which is your favorite new thing the show has created? Ooh, you know what? I know I'm going to walk away, and I'm going to think <laughs> of that thing that I love, but I can't think of it now. But you know what I'll say? I really love, I mean, one of the things that I love is an origin story that has nothing to do with my character, so I'm not going to say it, and we're not going to know, we're not supposed to know yet, <laughs> but, um, yeah, you'll see, you'll see later, <laughs> an origin story that I love. Um, I really love how the Culper Ring is dealt with in this show. It's less comic booky and more truth, which is, you know, this is a very real thing. You have, like, black ops. You have, like, you know, no red tape. You have government corruption, basically. And I really love how that's dealt with. I really love how... really love how Jennifer Brown gets comes into power, which is really cool. Yeah. Great. I'm going to think of something later. I'm um, do you feel like there's comparisons within today's set with this series and today? You mean real life in the yes. series? Yeah, there's there's a lot of things that you're going to see really parallel, um, especially when you get to the, like the ultimate and penultimate episode of the season. You're going to be like, when was this written? <laughs> this was written two weeks ago. <laughs> um, so there's that. There's a lot of parallels, but also, too, this show, I think, serves, especially the relationship, serve as a really great case study in the human condition and the, the reasons people make up for why bad things happen and what we latch on to when, when traumatic things happen. 
right? Like you see uh, Nora who latches on to her daughter and her role as a mother. And, um, Kimberly who latches on to that as well. And what these connections mean to us and also the roles that we're required to play in our everyday life. Like 355, she's her, she's been served, she is a weapon. That's her function. And that's all she really knows how to be until she realizes there's something inside of her that wants to be big. Um, I really love the dream sequence in episode 4 because it's the first time you see her use her mouth to not lie or use her body to not fight or, you know, do, and she can do a whole lot of other things too. She's multifaceted. But yeah, I, I, I'm excited to get to explore that. And to follow up on that a little, how has the experience of filming in the, the pandemic and all the, the delays, how has that informed your character and how you're acting? Has it had a huge impact? Well, I came on after the pandemic, like after the last big delay. Um, so I was fairly new to the show. Me and Olivia were both uh, replacing two other people. And... Um, just the idea of shooting in a pandemic, though, specifically. We were in a city in Toronto where we were shooting that was shut down. There were zero distractions. We were all away from our family. The border was shut down. We couldn't come and go. So it really kind of made this like, hyper-focused tunnel. And we kind of all had each other to lean on in that sense. And we also had the first six episodes available to us, which is not a luxury that TV <laughs> actors ever get. So that was uh, that was uh, had a lot to do with the um, focus and experience of making the show. I'm gonna actually piggyback off your question earlier and your answer. How how are you finding? Balancing 355 as she's historically been to herself versus how she's starting to open up a little bit and see that there's more than just, like you said, being a weapon and being like a government tool. Mm -hmm. How am I finding balancing, balancing the two emotions? Well, it's disorienting and it's confusing and it, it can be, right? What, what one of the that that's part of also playing the character, right? She's figuring out, I have these feelings for York, I also have these feelings for Allison, I also, I'm not supposed to feel these things, I'm supposed to focus on the mission. Also, I wanna be, I wanna be big, I wanna, I wanna be vulnerable, uh, I wanna understand myself better. And um, I think that's also something I experience in real life, as does, as do we all, like day to day, moment to moment. And what I love too is that, she doesn't know what she's doing necessarily. She's never done an apocalypse before. <laughs> she, can, she can be bad at it, you know. She, but what I loved about her too, that I wanted to adopt was in my own life, was her decisiveness, right? And how she commits to even bad decisions. You see, in episode five, she breaks the satellite phone. Fuck it, we're going with that now. <laughs> I already did it. There's nothing else to do. She lies to Alice in New York. Well, what do you want me to do? I'm not apologizing. I did what I had to do. It's great. Um, does that answer your question? It does. Okay. It's, it's a balance in the character where she's hardcore and like also not. So. And Eli and the directors are such a great resource. Eli, all the writers too, are such a... And I can always put my input in too. Where I'm thinking, why does she do this? Does she have to do this? Or maybe this moment looks more like this. It's really lovely to be such a co-collaborator on building a human being. Mm -hmm.
Um, have you read the comics before you auditioned, or I read the comics right before I auditioned, like for the audition. Actually, I the audition I got the audition on a Thursday. My self tape was due Monday, and I spent. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, just watching this YouTube, uh, <laughs> this YouTube show that uh, explains the comics panel by panel, and I'm so embarrassed because I looked up this guy's name and I wanted to give him a shout out, but I can't remember his name. I need to just message him on YouTube or something <laughs> to say, hey, thank you. And then I read, and then I went out to the comics store. I got the first volume. I enjoyed it so much. Got the second one, and I read all of the volumes with zero expectation of getting even a callback. It was just fun read and. Do you have any one word that you would use to describe the uh, the end of this season? The end of the season? <laughs> the end of the season, yeah. Confrontation. <laughs> That's a good word. Global confrontation. <laughs> okay. That's all the time we have. Okay? Yeah. I think a better word would be collision. Amber Tamblin, I play Kimberly, and I'm Eliza Clark, I, I play the showrunner. <laughs> that was hilarious. I do, that's what I play, that's a role I play every day. Is that hard? Yeah, yeah it is hard. <laughs> you want me to it is hard. It is hard. Can you talk to me a little bit about the reception you've received from fans? Has there been any standout interactions? Oh. Either in person, online, whatever. We have this is our this is our big debut. That's why we're, we're that's why we're so dressed up. We didn't have a, a premiere because of COVID, so we went we fucking went for it today. Um, we've been doing live tweets, which have been really fun. It's been so fun. And Instagram Live, which is my favorite thing um, we've been doing, which is just sort of um, yeah, just getting together and talking about the show and shooting the shit, hanging out. Yeah, we usually do. We're trying to we're trying to become Andy Cohen. <laughs> we're trying to give him a run for his money. Yeah. <laughs> so with the um, obviously with the pandemic and everything that's been going on in the world, that will probably have informed what you're doing a lot in terms of character. How do you feel? It's impacted your ability to keep the show feeling essentially kind of hopeful or optimistic, and not feeding into sort of darker levels of thought that have been coming out in the last year. Yeah, I mean, I I, uh, I love the book, and I know the book is really funny. And one of the things that was important to me in adapting the book was that uh, we update the sort of conversation about gender. Um, and it's my point of view and the point of view of the show that it's not good that everybody with a Y chromosome dies. Um, that that is actually horrific and sad and that the world actually does need all of us. Um, and so the beginning of the show is pretty sad and pretty scary. Um, but, you know, the whole first season is about how these people are clinging to the identities they had before. I mean, Kimberly, Amber's character, is like a really great example of that. I mean, she wants everybody in the world to go back to what it was before, and she's closely aligned with patriarchy, and her all of her power comes from her proximity to men. Um, but, you know, uh, I think the show does, about halfway through, start to get weirder and funnier and more bizarre. Um, and, and part of that is about, you know, 
uh, there's a line t in tonight's episode, or whatever, Monday's episode that we're showing tonight, where a character says, uh, why are you helping me? And another character says, I don't know, maybe hell isn't other people. And I think that that is what, that is the spirit of the show. That like, there are villains here, but we're gonna understand them. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, we're gonna, <laughs> um, but we're also gonna, um, we're also gonna explore, uh, communities that do work and that work together and that take care of each other. Um, anyway. Yeah. Please. So how did you decide on the story that you wanted to tell out of this? Because Yorick in the comics, uh, 355 calls him resourceful, but we're clearly not seeing him as uh, resourceful. <laughs> Like, he is, he is failure to launch. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I felt that the show should be an ensemble. Um, I mean, Ben is incredible, and I adore him, and I find him incredibly lovable in spite of the fact that he's useless. I mean, not, not Ben, but Yorick. You know, I think that... Uh, but you know, I I didn't I didn't really want to center uh, a cis man in the in a story of a world without Y chromosomes, um, and so you know, and Ben is an incredible member of our uh, of our ensemble. Um, you know, I think York is. Uh, like everybody else grappling with his identity and at the beginning of this show his identity is wrapped up in Beth and it's you know Beth is ambitious and Beth is a go-getter and Beth is you know all these things and if he just hitches his wagon to her that could be his identity his identity is basically like good boyfriend um, and over the course of the first season he's going to really come into himself and grow which is also the story in the book but people forget because it's not the same media. He was like, he's very useless at the beginning of the book, too. Yeah, very. <laughs> uh, what was the reason to adapt this, adapt this comic book here, and how does this compare to today's world? Or does it not? I mean, I... I loved the book. I read it 12 years ago. I really wanted to be the person who adapted it. But when it came up, I was nervous about doing something that could be interpreted as essentialist. I really did not want to make a show that equated chromosomes with gender. Um, so that was central to my adaptation, was trying to figure out how to make a broader point about gender diversity. Um, and I was also really interested in exploring the ways that uh, women uphold patriarchy and white supremacy. I mean, we t I, in the writer's room we talked a lot about that photograph from the Women's March of the three white women wearing pussy hats on their phone with the black woman in front that says white women voted for Trump. Like that was something that we were trying to uh, explore with the series. So, you know, I thought it was a, I forget your question, but I think like it was, I think that we wanted to make something that felt current um, while maintaining the sort of fun and road trip and adventure um, of the sort of central characters while broadening the horizon and getting to know characters like this one. So I'm actually going to, sorry, no, go ahead. I'm going to jump off that because I wanted to yes. discuss bringing in Kimberly mm -hmm. because she's, again, a new character and it's very relevant over the last 12 months. So what, was that something that you had planned or is it, did the role kind of evolve over the last, you know, pandemic? 
I mean, I think it was like a collaboration with this incredible woman who is like both an amazing uh, actor but also a writer and a director in her own right. Um, so, I mean, you should talk about it. Yeah. We, we created her together. We I mean, created her together. Yeah. I mean, she was like an idea that was left over um, when I was attached to the show and it's sort of um, in, a, in a different form. And then Eli's World created this whole new space for Kimberly to really become... Um, the representation of those white women that you talked about and uh, and for that to be a real exploration that that is hopefully really conflicting for the viewer because you both empathize for her and you feel terrible for her and you understand where she's coming from when she's you know asking Christine like can I have your baby I'll take care of your baby it's like very single like hand that rocks the cradle um, but also while completely terrifying you which I think is what all really great villains in TV do you know when you're looking at um, uh, just villains in TV I think she's one of those and I think she goes in and out of being villainous which is really like exciting and um, she's got a lot of really fun fun things that she does in the last four episodes of the show is she really all conniving all the time I don't think so, but I think that white women who are like her don't think that they are. And that's part of the beauty of it, is that Kimberly doesn't think she is. She doesn't see herself as part of the problem. And the more she inserts herself, and, and there's a lot of things that happen to the characters over the next several episodes, like big, more events, and those things will drastically change them again, some for the better, some for the worse. But I don't think she's, I mean, I think one of the things that's so beautiful about Amber's portrayal of Kimberly is that she's not conniving all the time. She is, I think when she, when Christine is having what she thinks is a miscarriage in that bathroom and yeah. Kimberly's tro an trotting on her little like penguin heels, like she, that's genuine. That, I mean, later it becomes like, oh, now I know a thing about you and I know, you know, you're, but I think in that moment and Amber plays it so beautifully, like she's just another woman looking at and I think you know Kimberly's been through her own struggles and she's just looking at this woman being like I got you I think that's really beautiful and she's a she's sad she lost her kids she lost her husband she lost everything so it makes her psycho but it's great thank you so much thank you